Welcome to the Healing Trauma as a Christian Mama podcast. We are your trauma mamas. My name is Danielle Elizabeth. And my name is Kelsey. And here we want to be a safe space to look at what it's like to be a Christian woman healing trauma. We want to integrate our Christian faith with psychology and trauma modalities while giving you tools and skills to support your growth and healing. Let's get into today's episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We always leave it on the same note, asking you this very important question. Do you have the support you need in your healing process? If the answer is no, reach out to anyone, including us, because it is a lie that you need to stay stuck. Healing is available and possible for you. Have a great week. All right. So today we thought we would talk intergenerational trauma. Um, we felt like it would go really well with um, our last episode on trauma and sin, because really we talked a lot about just like intergenerational sin. Um, and so intergenerational trauma is such a perfect segue. <laughs> Absolutely. They go hand in hand, like I've said many times. <laughs> yeah. I think even we, when we were talking in the trauma and sin episode, we were like talking, we kept like almost like intermingling these because they are so intermingled. Um, so yeah. So let's just give a brief kind of like talk about what is intergenerational trauma. Um, so really, I guess the most basic definition would be that it's just trauma that extends through multiple generations of the same family. I think the really interesting part and kind of misunderstood part too is like what can get passed down, right? Like you would think of, let's say, like addiction or something, right? That's one like you can kind of like, you can kind of see the pattern a little bit more, but I think, and what we'll probably be able to like speak to a little bit more is what are some of the ones that like are maybe not so well known to be something that's passed, can be passed down generation, generation. Right. No. And that's, that's really good. Cause like you said, the addiction piece of it, and obviously we will probably cover this in another podcast too, is like addiction is a symptom of trauma basically yeah. too. So that's, I mean, that's easier. <laughs> that to is, get. that is a whole other piece of this. Oh, yeah, other correct. Piece. So <laughs> I just, I just like to point that out because I just feel like, you know, I, I, I personally just, there's, there's a lot there, a lot to that. Um, but as far, yes, as far as what can be passed down, um, I guess, where were we going with that? Like, we were just going to say like the emotional pieces, the, um, well, let's just say it all, right? Like, so there's like trauma itself. So like one of the examples we talked about in our our program is like domestic violence, right? So that's like a trauma itself, but it can also be like behaviors, belief systems, trauma responses. Yes. Um, there's like the whole epigenetics thing that they're like starting to really research, which is like basically from what I understand saying that like, even um, within our DNA and like biologically um, things can get passed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's like a whole um, mind blowing. Topic. Yeah. I think it's a whole, 
thing now. I don't know too, too much about it. I just keep hearing about it, but I have never really like dug into the actual like science of it. I'm not a huge sciencey person. What I found interesting, like, and I, what I wrote down when we were studying this was um, I wrote down four things like to add to that. I wrote down coping, shame, labels, and dysfunctional patterns. Mm. Um, and so it is interesting, right? Like, and I don't know if you've seen, like, there's a lot of people because breaking cycles is such a big thing right now. And I mean, like, we're both like on that bandwagon and love it. <laughs> um, but um, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's some really cool graphics people have made to like really explain this. So it was like, it would be like a three generation, like, so like a grandparent, adult, and then like kid. And it was like, talking about how like the parent, that grandparent came back from war, had PTSD, started drinking, started, you know, didn't know how to like cope. And then that then adult as a child was kind of neglected, was, you know, had to, took on people pleasing to try and like, you know, handle the inconsistencies of, especially with the addictions and the PTSD. So then now the, then that adult doesn't really know how to parent because they really weren't parented and now have their own set of coping and, and trauma responses from the generation above them. And, and then it's like, and then it shows what that like kid experiences. Right. And it's just such a great example to, and, and people have done it with so many different, like, like examples or situations and stuff like that. But I just think that it really helps you see what, what it means when we're talking about things getting passed down generation to generation. Yes. Yes. And to go back and look at it and be like, okay, I see that my parents did that. And then you kind of trace it back even more. And then the grandparents and even more. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty eye-opening, I guess. And then maybe it's also in a sense healing to know that it's like, not you, it's not yeah. just you. That Yeah. I think um, we talked about it last week, or maybe we were just talking about it, but we were talking about that book. It's called, it just, it didn't start with you and very mm-hmm. good book. I think about, I've only read the beginning, but I think I can recommend it because yeah. <laughs> the beginning was really good. <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've looked into it before too. And I just think yeah. it's really good. I just, with all my time, I, my oh, I know <laughs> you're just like moms of four who, yeah. you know, just have so much time to read books. <laughs> um, I've, I've heard it's highly recommended by me. I, I have too. And I actually have started it and it was good. It was just like one of those things I like started, I think yep. when I was like putting my daughter to bed one night and read it a few days and then was like got busy or something story of our lives I get it (laughs) but what you were saying was really interesting and that speaks to so when in our in our program we had to do was one of our homework assignments was a genogram and -hmm. it speaks to exactly what you were saying in the like very eye-opening piece so it's a it's kind of like a a family tree just tracking dysfunction (laughs) it's really really exhilarating task but I don't know when you did yours. Um, I was so like, it was so eye-opening to just like see it in front of you, but then like, you just see patterns you would have never seen. Right. Like you would have, um, like I, I, uh, I remember she was saying the, the, the lady, um, Bobby Parrish who did our training. I remember she was saying when she did her, she was like the first time she saw like just depression in her maternal line. Like it was just kind of like, Oh, I would have never like seen that 
or yeah. like, oh, look at all these people who have experienced sexual abuse. And all of these people are the people who have the most significant mental health struggles, like in yeah. the family. Right. So it's a really good like tool. I would encourage anybody to, you know, if you, if you really are in that breaking cycles, you really want to kind of be the one in your family who's like, this ends with me. Um, it's a really good like tool to see what you're breaking. Cause sometimes like we, like by the time we're like in, you know, 2022 and we've got all these issues of our own, um, it's, it's interesting to see like, you know, yes, we might be trying to break our own anxiety, but like there might be so much else and why it's so hard to break it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's just, I think that's actually so what someone said once, like, if you're really, if you can't find even a reason why you're struggling with something or you're finding it so much harder to break some pattern or cycle or something, um, this can be very helpful because it could be something that is like, you know, generations in the making. Right. Um, I feel like it was very eye-opening as well to me. And it actually kind of gave me, helped me to extend some grace, uh, with, with my, you know, my trauma and whatnot, but I will say like, not, sometimes the information's not there too. Cause I feel like that's what I ran into against on my, on my, like my dad's side of the gene. Like, um, I honestly didn't feel really comfortable, like prying and asking my dad like questions. And so that was frustrating. So I still don't really know it, but, um, you know, sometime I'll get there, but it's just like, but you can see just kind of observing and knowing what you know about like trauma too, that you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, you can kind of put the pieces together, but you might not know like the full story. So just don't get discouraged. Yeah. By it. Yeah. And I remember, I think I remember her saying that too. Like it, it's not always like emotionally safe to like dive into that. Right. Especially if you like, you know, don't go and ask, don't go like, you know, connect with people who have caused you trauma. If you're not in contact with them just for that activity, (laughs) you know, and sometimes you can find out information from like other people, which, you know, could create its own problem because everyone has actually, that's a good, good thing because, um, segue into like some of the, the terms we talked about, because, um, one of them was the family mythology and it was like, kind of like the false beliefs concerning family stories. So like the story about what happened or story about maybe a situation, maybe there was like abuse and, you know, uh, a, generation above and everyone's like oh well no this is actually the story that we stick to right so you could run into I guess that would be a pitfall of you know reaching out to the outsider people in the if you're trying to get information you might come across like more family mythologies than actual like accurate like you know what actually happened kind of thing too right and I I feel like we're kind of in that spot where like our, our parents are like old enough yet young enough, but they're old enough to kind of like, like hide things, you know, in a way. So I think that like, generation, I like, I say this all the time. I'm like the generation above us, like, I don't know even the years to put on that, but like, um, like I, they just like, it's like, they like sworn in some secrecy, <laughs> like denial act that like the whole generation was part of. and and I actually think it extends the for sure to the generation above them right like our grandparents um generation like yeah sometimes talking to them it's just like they're so 
they're so much older they're not going to change fully their ways right like you're not going to like have this big epiphany with them like I remember making a joke once to someone like of that generation about like sweeping things under the rug and they just like I was making a joke and they were like looking at me like this is a serious fact yeah. <laughs> like this is what we do why would you like why are you like acting like that's not appropriate to do like like they and that's like where that those terms like you yep. know don't air your dirty laundry like like and that and that is a great example actually of something that gets passed down generation mm-hmm. to generation right it's just a saying that actually has so much dysfunction underneath it but it's literally like you know people just say it as if it's a saying not realizing that actually that's speaking to like you know uh like a system between generations of how things get hid um and then yep. and then shame just like you know engulfs it all i was li- just listening to a podcast today and they were talking about it was a Brene brown quote the guy was using and he was said shame needs three things um secrecy silence and judgment and you're mm-hmm. like you think about like the denial and just that the generations of however however high up that goes of people who didn't talk about things like how much shame has been bred for all of the you know, the deep secrets of like family systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, shame would be another good thing that we should address at some point too. Cause oh. maybe people don't really, you know, they might not know exactly what shame, what, what does shame look like? And what is well, shame? Like, so- it really is like, um, I mean, me and you talk about it all the time because <laughs> shame is like, yeah, I feel like it's like, a, well, I, my, and I was telling you, my therapist like is like talks about how it was like, it's like its own system. Like it's like, and really is. And I actually was talking to someone else recently who's a therapist as well. And I said that, and she was like, wow, that's such an accurate statement for that. Like it really is a way. And, and the cool thing about what my therapist has done is she's now connected it to like, and I I was saying this to you recently, like she's connected it to like Roman seven versus Roman eight, when we're like under the law and under like the rules and the regulation and we're, and we're just like, you know, sin mm-hmm. is like, just like, you know, engulfing us. And then Romans eight, which is like the grace piece. And so she, that's kind of like one of her, her big ministry is about like shame and grace. And it's, um, it's interesting. I think actually the reason shame is so sneaky is because it's such a way that the enemy uses, I was just right. Like, that. um, yeah way it's like it's almost like that that tactic of like it's not really even there like we don't even know it's there right and I I think I heard someone say once like shame was like the first emotion that Adam and Eve like felt after they ate the apple and so um because they went and hit their bodies and they were like they knew that they were exposed and yeah um I was gonna say like I and I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure if this is the wording for it, but I know that like guilt and shame are not the same thing either. No, so like guilt not. is like something where you're like literally guilty of it. And then that's when, you know, like if you're talking in biblical terms, Christ came and, you know, cleansed the guilty, uh, you know, of like sins and whatnot, but shame is like the one that just the enemy just uses to just tear you down. Yeah. Like, yeah there's so much we'll do a whole episode about this because I think there's so much to be said here but yeah just it, it, it is guilt is like usually like circumstantial too right like I did something wrong and it was about something there was some action where shame's like you are fundamentally 
wrong as a person, like are bad as a person, or like, you know, need to hide who you are because you're just so bad. Like, you know, no one will accept you. Yep. Um, yeah, well, let's, well, we will well, like absolutely dig that into that. Yep. Um, <laughs> stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> Some, I know, stay tuned for that episode. Probably our next one, because it will be on our mind now. <laughs> um, but some of the other things we talked about were just like family rules and family motto. And I was talking to someone, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I was talking to someone the other day about, um, there's this like activity you do, you can do called a trauma egg. And it's like, you kind of draw out like an egg and then you like put these little bubbles in it and you draw out like just each traumatic event of your life kind of thing it's kind of like I guess gathering like a inventory of like your drama another super fun activity but (laughs) it was interesting because I had done it before but then I was talking with someone else about it and I was reading it and on each side of like the corner you write out like um like family like rules and like family roles like who was I in the family and like what was like a family motto and stuff and I didn't realize I'm like oh wow this really does take a lot of these like terminologies that are super important um, when talking about intergenerational trauma and puts them in this like um, spot and helps you see it again, right? Right. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of had troubles with like finding the family model and the family worldview. Um, not because I know that Bobby did say that not everybody, not every family will probably have them or like really distinct ones, but I don't know if like, if we wanted to cover like what, what they kind of were. So then people can, I don't know. Yeah, if for sure. I know I did have trouble. I, I, I could do some of them. I couldn't do all of them though. Like, um, so right. yeah, there's the family thing, which but... <laughs> what we were just talking about, like kind of like the stories, um, usually false beliefs concerning family stories. So like hide, I think it's like really like hiding shame, right? Like yep. actually I think yep. I even wrote this, I wrote it down. The story that the family tells, when it's either a, a source of shame or to dress it up so we don't look bad kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then the family rules, um, kind of like how you should behave, right? Like that, it's like- um, Right, an example would be like, only dad gets angry, you know, like only he's the one, he's the only one that can, is allowed to be angry or children should be seen and not heard. I know we've said that one before. I was going to say, we talk, we've like both mentioned that a few times, probably even in this podcast. So clearly um, I think that might've been like an actual, also a generational one too. Like some of these, like, it's like maybe families took what the bigger societal rules were as well too. Right. Like, and made it so like, it's not like, okay, well, we can't figure out our own families, but like, this was kind of an underlying one too. Um, and then there's like the, the, a family motto, which can be like, a, like, I guess like a statement, right? Like, and um, it, it might be one that like has, was said a lot, or maybe one that was like, this one I would assume would be more of something that would be said a lot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and like you said, it's like, a, obviously it's like, a, like a generational thing is what we're talking about. But I wonder if like all of these weren't like t- really meant to be hurtful. It was just like, Hey, like, um, like the, this example, a gold scene never gives up, you know, like, but not really validating that like yeah. it's, it's a child and he's having a hard time getting through something and the parents like trying yeah. to encourage him. 
maybe, um, but it didn't come across that way to the child, you know? Yeah. I think the, the family motto one, none of them really seem like these examples that we have are like, life is unfair, make do with what you're given. A positive attitude will always be rewarded. Pick yourself up and get, um, keep going, um, man up and get back in the game. Like some of those are like, you can see yeah. a little bit of but like, none of them are like overtly like negative or toxic that you would overtly see them as toxic they are when they um are not supportive but like some people can get like like a gold scene never gives up right like it's like um that could be motivating for some people or even some kids right right? like to yeah so like it, it is interesting um and I'm sure it speaks to if there's a whole dysfunctional cycle in the family already then, you know, something could be taken, you know, and it would be, (laughs) it could be negative really quickly. Whereas like a really connected family, you know, could say some of these mottos without, without a lot of hurt to to it. Right. I see what you're, yep. I definitely see what you're saying when there's like dysfunction already in the family, then yes, it could be very negative, hurtful, but if there's, because it can be invalidated. Like if someone's like, if a kid's saying like, I want to quit because I'm like, you know, I don't like this sport anymore. I'm getting bullied here. And they're like, a gold never gives up. Right. Um, or, you know, yeah. And being like invalidated and their feelings aren't being heard and all of this. But then if another, like another situation could be like a kid is not pushing themselves into a safe comfort, like safely out of their comfort zone. And it's like, Hey, you know, like you're, you're full of a family that doesn't give up. Um, that could actually, like help them push past like a fear too. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like you could see if some of these could go both ways. Right. Yep. Um, Uh And then the last one was like a family worldview. Um, So often dysfunctional families separate themselves um, from the world and use a worldview to do that. So like, um, I found this one interesting. The blood is thicker than water one. You hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. especially actually you know where you hear it a lot these days you hear it a lot in toxic family systems who you know when if when someone's trying to put boundaries in or you know like um kind of separate themselves um that's where that one will be used a lot and so yeah I can see how that um but I think um some of the other ones speak a lot more to like the separation piece right like um people outside of our family want to make a fool out of you or never trust anyone who isn't family. Like those are very, like, very separating, mm-hmm. um, yep. like views. Um, in, in my, in a counseling class I was in last semester, we did a whole thing on worldview and it was talking about how you come into like everything with a worldview and we all have like, have our own worldviews and they're very much shaped by our family. And it was just like, my brain like it got so philosophical and my brain like exploded because I was just like oh my gosh like you can't say anything really like unbiasedly because you have a worldview that you come into every situation with right like our own experiences shape how we view things so we might think we're speaking on a topic with such like you know unbiasedness but really like we're not and it was so like oh my gosh this is like 
I could not even, my brain like, could not even compete with that meant. I think the last thing that would be good to talk about too would be um, just like kind of like the scapegoat or like the shame holder um, role of a family. Like, and I think that that would probably speak to a lot of our listeners because so many people are trying to break cycles right now. And that's not really highly looked upon from the family system itself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, either that shame holder is speaking about things that is highlighting the dysfunction or pulling things out from under the rug, right? Like, um, because part of breaking cycles is doing things differently, right? So like if we're, if we lived in a family cycle where anger and yelling was a big thing and now we're trying not to yell with our, our kids, that's like breaking that cycle. But sometimes it has to be like, sharing our story and in our sharing our story it highlights the shame of someone else right like it highlights the dysfunction or the toxicity of someone else or a whole family system and yeah you get you see people who are like ostracized from their families for sharing their own story yeah and it's it's really really sad and then you know they find obviously hopefully they find their like comfort and whatever else and something else. But then I, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> well, I think you were trying to well, say also like you can find community outside, like, right. Like you find like another safe community that is able to yes. walk alongside you on that journey. Cause exactly. sometimes it's really, it's really like, I've seen, I saw this in my own healing journey. Like you can't force other family members to go on their own journeys. Right. Like, so Right. Like when you're trying to unravel your own childhood, you have to look at your parents and it doesn't mean you have to. And I think what you, you spoke to this really well, um, seeing the generational trauma helps us have grace for, for the people who could potentially have been victims themselves, right? Like if abuse, let's say was passed down generation to generation. Yes, you have you have been violated and wronged and sinned against uh, from some one person, let's say, but, um, and it's not to excuse what they did. It's just to get a bigger picture to say like, they were also repeating the trauma and the sin that was done to them. And it does help you, I think in a sense, like, but not to invalidate the hurt that they caused either. Right. It's a very tricky. Yeah. It's a, place it, yeah, there's because... like a line there. Yep. It's, it's like, okay, I was sinned against or all this pain that this person caused me who obviously now is, 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 is I'm struggling because of what was done. And, you know, you, you can easily point like the blame at someone else, which, um, you know, I mean, obviously there, like you said, the story's there, but then if you just can open up or just step back just a tiny bit and be like, okay, well, this person, obviously struggled with this and this was done to them as well. So they were just coping and then it just, mm-hmm. it just kept going down. Um, yeah. but like you said, it does not excuse what was done or right. the, pain and the hurt there. It's just, I myself found it very healing to see that. Like, it wasn't just like this person in my life just totally went bananas or whatever, you know? And yeah. Just, and I guess it, it could also speak to that shame piece. Cause it's like, if it's, if you see it as just this one person doing it to you and kids, kids, especially if it's something that happened in childhood, they will internalize it. 
right? It's like, it's uh, something is wrong with me or I deserved that, or I did something that caused that. When you see it as part of a system, you're like, you can see, I was just a part of this. Like I was a byproduct. I was the collateral damage to it. That does not take away from the pain of it, but it also can help you see that you are not inherently bad, right? Like you are, you, you are caught up in a dysfunctional system that, um, that has hurt you, but it's not a direct reflection on who you were, especially as a child, right? Like, I think that a a really good place to end it too, is to speak to, there is these situations, um, where as you, and I think we spoke about this too, in the, in the sin podcast episode too, as we go on our own healing journey, even though it might ruffle the feathers of some people and some people might not like it, it actually does in some cases force people to look at themselves like other generations. Um, I think in my family, um, there's been so much in the last few years that has come up that people can't look away from it now. Like it's like the Pandora's box, the lid has been um, taken off and these things happened, right? Like it's, you can't even deny, you can deny it, but you can't deny it, right? Like you can live in your denial world if you need to, but it's out there kind of thing. But it's actually spurred a lot of healing. Um, and so I think if a family system who is, has been caught in this generational trauma, which I would really argue that I don't know what family system is not in some capacity, like, you know, have generational trauma and sin because we're all human. Um, so there's probably, there's not like any like perfect families out there that don't struggle with this. I think there's definitely degrees and, and severities that you, you can see some families, um, it's just so intense, right? Or it's just so with every, like every person is caught up in some type of sin or trauma or whatever. But um, I guess the hope too, is that like, as you break your own cycles, um, it can be the most, it can be such a healing thing. And think about like how you taking that role of breaking cycles can actually have a domino effect and cause a chain reaction of healing and two kind of things come to mind. There's a, a quote, I don't know. It's a, I did a TikTok of it once. So it was, like, <laughs> but I think it's like a, a quote meme thing, <laughs> but it was like trauma can be passed down generation to generation, but so can healing. Yeah. And so it's like recognizing like the, I feel like that's such an empowering statement um, for our generation, right. To be like, we can have an impact on the generations below us and above us. Like, I feel like there's no timeline that God has for our healing, right? Like we can have grandparents who are like willing to face, you know, the hardships of that. If you want to, I'll do a shameless plug of like the Encanto or movie, or I, I don't even know if that's how you say it. Make, I think, I think you said it right. Few, yeah. <laughs> a, few, a few other moms are like, Oh, my, my kid says it's, it's like this, but <laughs> I'll do a little spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but um, one of the biggest pieces of it, cause it's so riddled with generational trauma. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even, I like, it was hard for me to watch because I know so much about intergenerational trauma. I was like, this is very hard. Um, but the, like the, at the very end, the grandma who kind of was like the catalyst of like, 
allowing all the all of it to go down to the generations below her was willing to to go back to that place and face it and that was like such a healing thing for that whole family and so it's like you know if a grandparent is willing to do that that's so powerful too absolutely and it's only it's, it's just never too late to heal is the, is the point here it's like it's never yeah. too late and like you said, if, if the grandparent can do it, yeah, she's not really going to probably like have any more children to be able to reparent, yeah. but it's like, it's, it's encouraging to the rest of them. And then just for her own, just freedom too, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of freedom in the healing. I know it's very painful and can be really messy, but it's very freeing. And going back to like our talk on, on sin, right? Like, it's like, there's an element of of that older generation, you know, being able to confess and repent and, and, yes. and, and fix like, or like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, um, really like, coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the, one of the coaches or teachers in our program, I remember she called it line cleansing, like when we break cycles. And I just loved that as a different way to look at it too, that it's not just breaking the cycle, but it's like cleaning the line and, and, and change. And it's just, I, I just feel like it's one of these topics that is just like, it's so important that we, um, even though it's such a burden for uh, like, you know, to do, it's so hard. Like it is, we could sit here and be like, yeah, we're just like all this, like, yeah. Yelling was like this, like whole generational thing above us. And like, we're just like breaking the yelling cycle. It's like, that is like, a literal full-time job. Like it is like, it is so hard to break these patterns and stuff. So it is not easy or for the faint of heart, but, um, I feel like uh, it's such a, so important for the generations underneath us. And we want, I think we all as moms can say we want better for our kids, right? Like we want, it's worth it for them and their mental well-being because look at our generation, like look at the mental health, the trauma, like this, like, I feel like it's just feels so heavy right now. Our, our age generation of all of the things that you're like, if we don't, what is in store for our kids? Like now we have this whole pandemic, like this collective trauma on top of all of this. And like all these, these other little things, like no one can afford anything because everything costs so much. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's just like, it's just, we're setting up a environment for these, our children to have such a, like, you know, like a, what's the opposite of a leg up? Like something that's like, like working against them. Everything's working against them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's like, we have the power to be able to, um, at least try and change that. Well, and just find, find the tools that, that work for us and then can possibly work for our children. Because as as we know, as a mom, we, each one of our children have their own personalities and whatnot, and it might not work for all four of them. Yeah. That ain't that the truth. (laughs) So, and obviously between us, we have eight different kids, so we can very much of anything we can speak to with authority. We can say that. Yes. And obviously we're talking about intergenerational stuff right now, but it's not, you know, Trump, this isn't just the only thing that's going to like come up, like you said, the, the pandemic and then the, everything you can't afford. And then maybe like, I mean, like in our family, we had a death last, last summer that has like, cre- it wasn't right. like, but it's created some trauma in our lives and we're trying to oh, pick up. Sure. So 
it's just, it's just life is life is hard, but, um, you know, the way we handle this now, like, we'll just say the, the situation is going to affect the way our children handle things in the future too. So yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Well, that is good. Um, probably both all, all of our kids need us now, so we will end right there, but I think that is a good, um, that's a good conversation on just like breaking cycles and the importance of it, what that looks like. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll always be able to dig in and refer back to these conversations.